Hi everyone and welcome to episode two of Cheesesteaks and Dragons. Uh, we've got a lot of stuff to talk about this week so let's get started. So last episode if you remember I was super excited about Baldur's Gate 3. I was like yeah it's coming out. So it's been out for about a month now. What are your thoughts Kevin? Well so it's still an early access game uh, that hasn't changed but they are slowly fixing things. Uh, they've added some cinematics that weren't there before. Uh, they've added some some video bits uh, that add new romantic scenes. Uh, they've also slowly fixing the bugs, but they're introducing more bugs as they fix things. You mm -hmm. know how it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, it works well. It's the best version of D and D you can find on a computer anywhere. Uh, and when it doesn't, it just it's aggravating. Uh, I was exploring a uh, this crypt you can find early in the game. Uh, there's some fights. There's some loot. There's some traps. It's a fun like early adventure, but. You can't control the camera right. Uh, it's, a, it's sort of an underground tomb, mm -hmm. and so there's a bit of a ceiling, and the camera kept getting stuck on the ceiling. Oh, that's horrible. And it was just very difficult to find what was going on, find, like, I'm in the middle of a fight, and I don't know where to find the bad guys because I can't click on them. I can't rotate the camera to the right spot to see them. It was just, you know, I want to like this game. It's it's The concept is amazing. I love it. I, it's just aggravating right now. I hear you. I mean, um, as of the time of this taping, it's been like a month since I tried playing mm. it. So yeah, I was, I was going to try to play and then realized there was these new updates so that I'd have to start a whole new game. And I had read somewhere that there was a way to finagle the setting so that you can go back to where you stopped. And I was like, you know what? I'm not even going to bother. <laughs> so I was trying to create a new character, but I got super frustrated just trying to figure out how to give it a name. Like the typing was like really weird and I couldn't type and it was just crazy. And, and I, you know, I play on Stadia, so I couldn't get the, uh, controller to erase the base name so i tried it again in my bedroom i have a tv up there which is you know very comfortable to be in bed and play you know <laughs> video games sure and it was a nightmare yeah. i couldn't move the panel on the right hand side to select my hair or my eye color i wound up with the ranger that looked nothing like what i wanted it to look like um, same thing happened when i created the love interest so honestly i gave up and played more assassin's creed which i that's my new obsession right now <laughs> is assassin's creed yeah, I think I said the last, uh, same thing last episode, that it plays well on the computer and keyboard, it's, it's really hard to control with a controller. Mm -hmm. And if they're going to sell it on consoles, sell it with, to play with a controller, they need to fix that. Right, absolutely. Let's talk about some, some like RPG news. Okay, let's start with Pathfinder. Let's talk about Pathfinder for a minute. Uh, there is a new book out, uh, Naomi gave this uh, to me for my birthday. It is the Pathfinder 2 Advanced Player's Guide. Inside there is four new character classes. Uh, there's a bunch of new feats, new archetypes, new spells, new magic items. The uh, Oracle is a spontaneous divine caster uh, who casts, has extra abilities based on what their sort of divine mystery is. Mm. And then they can suffer uh, uh, curses that uh, will amp up the more you use those powers. Oh, cool. So there's uh, benefits and drawbacks. There's an investigator class that uses intelligence to find to sort of solve crimes and find enemy weak spots. There's a witch that's a prepared caster that can be based on any spell list you want. And they have special tricks involving making potions and using their special familiars. Mm -hmm. It's a swashbuckler class that uh, has something they call panache. And they do cool tricks and they gain panache and then they use that panache to do like special finisher moves that are extra powerful. So th those new classes are the highlights, but there's a lot of new things to add in this book that add to the original core rulebook. Mm -hmm. 
I really wish D&D would put out a book like this with just new material, new classes. Mm -hmm. They have been very slow about putting in new classes. Uh, uh, the new Artificer class uh, that's recently been uh, came out is the only one they've released since the entire 5th uh, edition has been released. And that's from Tasha's Cauldron, right? It is. Uh, it was Tasha's Cauldron, and it was previously printed in an Eberron book as right. well. I'm running a Fall of Plaguestone campaign for Noemi and some of our friends. It's the first mini-adventure for Pathfinder 2, and it is infamously difficult. I played it once before with some friends in Philadelphia at a game store, and it was the first time I had one of my RPG characters die, the first mm -hmm. time I had a total party kill. Mm -hmm. The entire party is wiped out by a particularly tough boss. So I thought it was a, a kind of a ballsy choice to run this adventure with a group of mostly beginners, right. a mix of beginners. Right. And uh, it's it's been okay so far. Uh, we're running using Roll20, uh, using sort of online maps. Mm -hmm. And I think we're having a good time. Uh, I adjusted the difficulty by basically adding a fifth player. The, the campaign is designed to run with four. Right. So I think that's been a good balance. And everybody's surviving. They, they even survived the tough fight that killed my entire party. How do you feel about it so far? Um, I'm really liking it. I, I, you know, I love D&D. It'll always be near and dear to my heart. But I, I definitely enjoy playing Pathfinder. Um, for this, uh, I'm playing a Necromancer, which actually came in handy when we were in a situation where uh, I was able to make uh, someone, you know, come alive. And we basically used him as, like, um, an extra player because he was really good. He only had some certain number of hits in before he died. But he had this cool ability where he could, like, bite. And, like, the bite was, like, a super good bite. And we took down one of the... I think we took down the main villain in that area, you right? You did, yeah. Yeah, so we were we were pretty lucky that... Um, you know, I had that ability to be able to do that. I mean, he keeps threatening to kill us every week anyway. Well, someone's going to die at some point. It's it's a very deadly system. It's the kind of system where critical hits happen often and they are very painful. Mm -hmm. Okay. Paizo, the company behind Pathfinder, mm -hmm. just released a beginner box for Pathfinder 2nd Edition. And it includes this, uh, like, a very specifically designed beginner adventure. Mm hmm it just sort of talks people how to play the game step by step, which right. I've heard is really good. It's a nice sort of simplified rule book. It is a simplified adventure to sort of teach, like each encounter teaches people like a, a new part of the game. Right. And uh, the color, the character sheets are nicely colorful. Like each die has a different color. Oh, nice. It's very pretty. Yeah, we'll have to pick that up. Yeah. Another campaign that I'm running in D&D &D with Noemi and our friends, everyone is at level nine now. And we've been playing for a little bit. And I decided to take a break from the main story and decide to do sort of a side story with, quote, interns. The new level one characters. I think everybody re really enjoyed making new characters, playing around with something new, a different class. Uh, it's sort of a, a, a slightly silly horror mystery story, and it's just getting goofier by a second, despite how I try. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they're really enjoying it, and uh, they're even asking to, to extend the adventure a little bit. I know we've played at least two sessions using these guys, right? Like the little interns? Yeah. Yeah, so my my intern is a, a paladin, and what's funny is um, she's the little sister of the rogue that I've been playing in our campaign. So, she, you know, her, her kind of, like, main quest is to, like, turn her sister good, you know? So, you know, everything she does is, like, she thinks it's going to lead... Her, her sister Neri into the path of good. So um, it's been pretty fun. I think we're going to do maybe one more shot 
and then go back to like our main um our main D and D game. And it's funny because there yeah. was a one of our players was playing a monk, mm. and then decided you know that he wanted to play something else. So Kevin made the monk kind of like the headmaster <laughs> of kind of like a um, Harry Potter esque school adventurer school for these little uh, interns. So that was that was really cute. Yeah, it's been a good time. Uh, I think. Also, it's sort of the first big campaign I've run as a dungeon master, and it's been a, a big learning experience for me. It's going well; the the players are happy, but I'm also always sort of thinking about how would I do things different next time, mm-hmm. and plan sort of bigger uh, plot arcs at, and weave them in further ahead of time, tie character backstories to the plot a little bit more, and uh, just do more things to get the, the the characters and the players sort of more emotionally involved in the story, not sort of. Uh, yeah, things to think about for next time, next campaign. Yep. So now I'm taking a turn DMing for a smaller group, um, Kevin and his brother and sister-in-law. So shout out to Brian and Colleen. <laughs> We're playing through Lost Minds of Pandelver. Um, so this is the first adventure I ever played. So I, it's a, has a special place in my heart. So when uh, I told Kev, you know, we should start playing D&D with these guys and I would be the DM, he was very excited because I know you're, you're tired of like always DMing. So I do like having a break. Yes. Yeah. So we've had two sessions and, um, yeah. it's been a lot of fun. We have a dwarf cleric and then a halfling rogue. Yes. And you're and a, a half orc paladin. paladin. Right. Yeah. So uh, it's been pretty good. Like, um, I feel a lot better, but I think it helps because I sort of know the quest and what to expect. Um, but it's always interesting to see, like, where people are going to go um, with certain things. But I like this quest for the most part because it gives you a really good idea of everything that's there. And you can kind of, like, move people into specific directions. Like, I don't think I'd be ready for a campaign where it was very free-for-all. Like, I think this is a good one for... And I think it's written in that sense. It's not only a a player's guide, a a starting guide for a player, but definitely a starting guide for for a DM. So, The guide for uh, the book for this uh, adventure is very good. It's very simple and sort of straightforward. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, as a slight spoiler, it's one of those stories where it starts out with a very sort of narrow, do this, 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 this. Right. And then at some point, the story opens up and says, here's a lot of things you can do. And that's where we're at at this point. Mm-hmm. And then it sort of closes in when he's sort of funneled towards a big, exciting ending. Right. It's, it's great in that sense. Yeah, but I think you did a great job. I'm pretty excited about your dungeon mastering skills. You have, <laughs> you have, a, you have a fun way of describing scenes. Uh, you're good at sort of keeping the story going. My horrible voices. Yeah. You know, I, I've always sort of leaned towards... Uh, I've always sort of leaned towards uh, using maps and figurines that sort of track where people are. Mm-hmm. That might be a byproduct of me playing a lot of games with too many people. Right, right. Uh, but with only three of us, you did sort of a theater of the mind game, and that was great. Mm. You just sort of explained what's going on, and we just told you what you want to do, and it... Went really well. Oh, thank you. Uh, Brian and Colleen are excited to play again. They keep pestering us. Yes, we're to going to s- get together soon. <laughs> to schedule new games. Yeah, yeah. We gave them pre-generated character sheets to use uh, for their characters. Because building a character is sort of the most difficult thing to learn as a new player. And how to play it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but that let us jump straight into the game, which has worked really well. Right. So back to the uh, the RPG kind of talk. One of the things that I've been doing between, uh, I guess, our last ses- our last recording and this one is I've picked up reading Dragonlance again. 
the series. So I started reading this series about a year ago. It was recommended to me. So I'm in the, about like three quarters of the way through the second book of this series, The Dragons of Winter Night. So there's, I think, three books in this series. I really like them because they're easy to read. I've tried other fantasy books in the past. And I found them to be especially hard to follow, especially if they use things like these crazy made up words. Or maybe it's just like their writing style doesn't fit for me. Um, what comes to mind is Patrick Rothfuss. Um, so I was telling Kevin about, you know, how like I pick up a fantasy book and sometimes I just can't finish it. Mm. So we we sat down today cause, and I told him um, how to pronounce the, the main character's name, which we couldn't figure out like we kind of watched a bunch of youtube videos seeing how he pronounced it oh yeah but everybody just kept saying quoth so i think like the mainstream people are like okay the main character's name is quoth so i am not a fan of and i there's people that are gonna disagree with me of this form of I don't know if it's elitism or maybe it's just like a writing style I don't like right. when they create characters that no one's name can pronounce. Like it's like a, it's like a gatekeeping or something. Like I guess I, don't I know. mean I, I I like Rothfuss as an individual. Like we we saw him at um, Pax Unplugged. Um, yeah. I follow him on social media. Sure, yeah. It's just maybe just his writing style. I mean, it's an interest. It's a great book. Don't get me wrong. I mean, yeah. I'm only halfway through. It's one of those things I pick up and put back down. Maybe I just need to sit down and just finish <laughs> it amongst the other like books that I'm like halfway through. Right. And um, you know, I know people are like, "Oh, when's the third one coming out?" I'm like, I haven't even finished the first one yet. So, so we'll see how it goes. Oh, and then just to go into this, um. And this is probably already old news, but the Dragonlands lawsuit, you know, I just kind of wanted to mention a little bit about this if you haven't heard about this. So the Dragonlands series was written by Tracy Hickman and Margaret Weiss. So they filed a lawsuit against Wizards of the Coast for a breach of, breach of contract. Um, according to the court records, they were working on a new trilogy of novels set again in the Dragonlands universe. With at least one manuscript had received approval and the publisher pulled the, pro- the project. So they were suing in excesses of $10 million. So just a couple weeks ago, um, they settled the lawsuit, but we don't know what the settlement was, whether or not they're going to get to write or whatever the deal is. And there's been so much going on at Wizards of the Coast between the accusations of racism, uh, removing those offensive Magic <laughs> Gathering cards, firing employees deemed controversial. It just not has been a good year for Wizards of the Coast. It's been a lot of strange moves from that company recently. Mm-hmm. They've done a lot of big changes, firing people, trying to settle lawsuits. They've had a lot of big talk about expanding different forms of media, TV, movies. I know there's a movie in development, and yeah. I think they're owned by Mattel. Is that right? Hasbro. Hasbro. I know Hasbro is if if the rumor is that they're they're breaking up and selling off Wizards, they're keeping the gaming aspect as far mm. as the board games. Mm. So we may see some like D and D board games coming out. There's a few out already. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, I don't know. It just sort of is disappointing. Um, there's already enough people arguing about every little thing in D and D they don't like about it. And right. I'm a big. I mean, and I've had this conversation with you. It's just I've been so disappointed, and I think the way that they're going as a company so i'm just i'm going to be curious to see where this all plays out yeah it's a tricky company they they seem to be very heavily invested in what the decisions they made back in the 80s and stuck with ever since no true yeah absolutely
So uh, speaking of drama, let's move on to uh, ta- uh, Taking 20 and Pathfinder drama. <laughs> I love it. All right. So there is a well-known YouTube channel called Taking 20. He has like a quarter of a million followers. his name is Corey? Corey is the, the, uh, the personality. Yeah. Uh, but the, yeah, the channel is called Taking 20. Uh, they spent a lot of their videos talking about uh, Dungeons & Dragons. And on a rare occasion, they'll talk about other systems, Pathfinder included. So he recently published a video titled, I'm Quitting Pathfinder 2E Because of This Issue. Oh my god. He goes on to describe something that he calls the illusion of choice. That players are pushed towards only the most optimized character builds. And then during combat can only use the most optimal actions. So each combat ends up feeling the same because they end up repeating the same sequence Mm -hmm. every turn. Mm -hmm. And apparently gets boring. He's bored, his players are bored, and his is all Pathfinders to blame for everything. Okay. So I have a lot of issues with this. Tell me your issues. Please. <laughs> uh, first, if a player builds their character to be specialized at one specific thing, mm-hmm. be great at one thing, then why are you mad when the character does that thing? Right. They made a choice, they're choosing to stick with it. There are mechanics in the game for changing that character if they get tired of or don't like that thing. So that's their choice. Go with it. That's not an illusion. That's their choice. I'm assuming he seems like the type of DM, I could be wrong, Sure. who's approved these characters already, and he's known what they're doing and how they're leveling up. If he had an issue, or if their char- the player is playing them the same, I mean, that's between him and the player. Like, quitting Pathfinder is just like, it's like copping out. Like Well... Apparently, this is uh, the way he's speaking out about particularly. It's a campaign he's been running for almost for a year now. Right, right. And the characters are on level 12 or so. So this is this is not new. This is things that they've been doing for a bit. This is the guy who people have paid like a Patreon, right? Yeah, like play with him. Supposedly, this is uh, he has Patreon subscribers that have like re- pay a certain amount per month, right, to be able and, to play with him. And yeah, and one of the benefits is to play this campaign with them. So right. I believe they're paying him to do this. And, and now he's going... all of a sudden he's reneging. He's like, oh, I'm not gonna do this. Well, more than that, he's going on uh, going on the YouTube and talking about. Them being his players being boring. Oh, that's just so wrong, bro. He's blaming on the system, but it sounds like it's the players' choices that he doesn't like. Rather yeah, than... well, then he should do something about it. That's that's ridiculous. Well, just I have a whole litany of complaints about this thing. Right, I want right. to finish this real quick. Next thing, like he, he's saying, it's illusion of choice. They have to have only optimal choices, and they only do the same thing. Pathfinder Two E is a very tactical game, mm-hmm. right? You know, people sort of talk about Pathfinder One as if. Uh, your, your major decisions are made when you create the character. Right. Pathfinder 2, it's move by move. It's important. Where you are is always important. Right, what you do right. any turn is important. And if they're doing the same thing every turn, they're not making optimal decisions. Mm-hmm. Right? They can't be. Uh, another thing, if the things he's talking about with Pathfinder, if you want to call these valid criticisms, mm-hmm. apply to basically every other system. Every other tabletop RPG, uh, tactical game like this, anything in the same vein as Dungeons and Dragons. Because you build a character, they're probably somewhat specialized at certain things, and they're going to do those certain things. Right. And then you're into whatever extent you want to call this the problem. The same problem applies to D&D 5th edition, uh, to any other system you want to talk about. But then he turns around and says, no, 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 D&D is fine, because... He likes it better. But didn't Pathfinder also give him stuff? They did, yes. So he apparently has a good working relationship with with Paizo, the company. Right. 
Uh, and even Paizo was quick to respond to the mess to his video and say, give a, a sort of a polite message saying, "You know what? We appreciate your your th- feedback and your criticism. You haven't damaged your reputation with our company. It's fine. We appreciate right. your feedback." Right. And it was a very sort of polite and and diplomatic response to it. Yeah. But even I think though I think he's he's yeah. the one that's fault if he. Yeah. If there's something wrong with the campaign as the DM, it's his job to fix it. Right. And if you don't want to play with them anymore, I say, you know what? I'm done. Sure. And exactly. do it privately. But to act like a, a a crybaby, I mean, seriously, dude. Yeah. The things he's talking about, like ultimately, are player problems because the if you're the players are bored by their own decisions, mm-hmm. work with them to fix it. Mm-hmm. Or they're dungeon master problems where the encounters you're running are boring and repetitive right. and, and I think that's too the, much the same. That's where the problem is, in my opinion. Yeah. So ultimately, yeah, the, his videos are available on YouTube. There are a number of response videos. Oh my God, the Reddit is hysterical. <laughs> There's even a, oh boy, there is a, he posted an original video. There was a series of response videos from, mostly from uh, Pathfinder fans who right. say like, well, we hold on, we understand the system. Let's mm-hmm. talk about it. And he wrote a response video in response to the responses, essentially saying, no, 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 you, you know, I bring in facts and logic, which is the most... Yeah, right. Ugh, That's what he thinks. Uh, mansplaining thing you possibly do. <laughs> and then he you wor- said it. And then he works out this sort of like a step-by-step, like, mathy description of why he thinks it's boring. Mm-hmm. It's not a good. It's not a good argument, ultimately. And his math is wrong in a variety of ways. And mm. sort of demonstrates he doesn't understand how Pathfinder and maybe D&D works. In well, all, in the that's end. quite the possibility. Uh, but all of you are welcome to go watch the videos yourselves. And, yeah, we'd like to hear what your, uh, what your responses are to us. Let's talk about cheesesteaks. So we had three different cheesesteaks in between the first uh, recording and this recording. So we, one of the ones we had was the, the I'm going to mispronounce this, Delisandro Steaks and Hoagies, right? They're located in the Roxborough neighborhood in Philadelphia. They're on the corner of 600 Wendover Street and Henry Ave. So it's a, pretty much a landmark in Philadelphia for more than 50 years. They offer cheesesteaks, hoagies, burgers, and beers, right? Hmm. So according to hoodline.com, it's the most affordable or some of the most affordable cheesesteaks in Philly. Okay. We were unable to go and visit, obviously, due to COVID. But uh, Kevin's sister-in-law, Colleen, graciously offered to pick some up for us for D&D night. Uh, Kevin, you had a steak with fried onions and whiz. And I had one with fried onions and mushrooms. Yep. Um, I thought it was good. My only issue is I am a snob. And I like my beef shaved. I mean, some people say that's what makes the cheesesteak a cheesesteak is the shaved beef. But other than that, it was fine. I'm giving it a three out of five dragons. I thought it was great. I think you're being a little overly picky about that. <laughs> it's quite possible. Uh, it was it was fantastic. I, I honestly like this is my like this is my cheesesteak to beat. Like going forward. What? Uh four out of five, maybe even five out of five dragons. Oh my gosh. Okay. Um the next one we had was the um a, a cheesesteak from the Yellow Submarine from my t- uh, close to where I live in Maple Shade, New Jersey. They're at 710 North Fork Landing Road. On their website, it says there are plenty of places in Philadelphia that claim to have the best cheesesteaks in the world. But according according to Aaron McCargo, it's actually found in southern New Jersey. Um, at the Yellow Submarine in Maple Shade, they'll put just about anything in a cheesesteak. And McCargo apparently loves adding pepperoni. So I had to Google this guy. So apparently he won the fourth season of the next Food Network star. And he's a cookbook author. And he's from nearby Camden, New Jersey. I was really upset when we had this cheesesteak. Oh, my God. I have had cheesesteaks from this place 
many times in the past 15 years. I don't know what happened to this cheesesteak. It was horrific. It was awful. It was really soggy. I mean, really soggy. The bread was like, I mean, it was like a sponge. And I thought it had no real taste. Um, I don't know if I'd give these guys a chance again because I feel like no, um, I wouldn't bother. So, uh, I mean, you think they changed like change recipes or cooks or something? Maybe. I mean, it has been a while since I've had one, but I remember that their chick their chicken cheesesteaks was like some of my favorite cheesesteaks. So I have to give it a zero out of five dragons. Yeah, the cheesesteak like the the no name cheesesteak place around the corner uh, is better than that. Yeah, no, it was uh, it was it was very very disappointing. Okay. Yeah. The final one we had was one of from one of Kevin's favorite places, Chicks in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. They're at 906 Township Lane in Cherry Hill. This place is really cool. It's kind of hidden behind an alley behind the shopping center. Yeah. I had a barbecue chicken cheesesteak and it was phenomenal. They had 11 different types of ch- chicken cheesesteaks alone. Um, Kevin kept mentioning this one, so I was like, fine, man. Like, I'm going to have it. It was really good. The bread, I'm... For me, a bread will make or break a cheesesteak. Their bread was really good. The chicken was really good. I mean, this is... I, I don't know if I'll give it five out of five, but it's close. Yeah. this I've always heard of this of Chicks as being one of the, the best in the Cherry Hill area. And I feel like it lived up to that. I think it's one of the best in South Jersey, and I'll put, my, I'll put my reputation on that. Oh! Pretty here, for, pretty here for first, folks. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'd like to give this a four out of five. This was very good. Yeah, this yeah. was good, yeah. Easily, yeah. Uh, but yeah, let's let's talk about what's making us happy this week. Uh, I'm going to say 2020 is over. You know, this has been an awful, awful year uh, for many reasons. Uh, there is uh, some new leadership in Washington coming in the way. <coughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm more optimistic for the future. There's a vaccine that's being distributed. Uh, there. I've also finally beaten the game Breath of the Wild. Yes, and I was there when it happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'm I'm optimistic for the future. I think things are finally turning around. No, um, hopefully. Hopefully. Um, um, I'm excited about Assassin's Creed, man. I love this game so much. I know I've seen you play Odyssey, and I was like, man, that game's really cool. Um, and I am like obsessed with this game. Uh, it's just yeah. it's so cool. I mean, I think you saw me. I was. I was like in some kind of combat and I was like doing all these cool moves and Kevin was like, what? What are you doing? And I was like, I was so hyped up. Like my adrenaline was running. Oh. <laughs> I have rarely seen you so happy as when you're tearing through a, a group of bad guys. It was really great. Um, I really, really do like this game and I, I picked up um, Stardew Valley again after a long hiatus. So I've been playing that. I need to get back to... Um, uh, I need to get, uh, what else have I been playing? I've been playing, um, Animal Crossing. I've Animal dropped Crossing. Animal Crossing. I gotta get back to that. And I have to continue my Breath of the Wild. That's, that's, that's what I'm gonna get done in 2021 this year. I have been playing a good bit of Cyberpunk and oh, Cyberpunk. I just started playing Link's Awakening. Yes, that's a cute game. Which you picked up for the Switch. Yep. Yeah. So, um, that's it for us. So thank you for listening and, Remember to connect with us offline, online, at Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And we're at uh, Cheesesteaks and Dragons. Have a good night, everybody. Bye-bye.